This is the Patriot Radio News Hour, brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group. For all your gold and silver buying needs, call them at 1-800-951-0592 or log on to allamericangold.com. Broadcast for Monday, November the 21st, 2016. Well, hey, good morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour. Monday, November 21, just a few days away from that holiday feast that we recommend you put a second one in the back door all the way. Anyway, we are the Patriot Trading Group. What do we do? The physical delivery of gold and silver. It's as easy as giving us a call at 1-800-951-0592. The lovely Wendy's here to take your phone call, answer your question, walk you through your order, or go check us out online at allamericangold.com. Check out that news to disturb the comfortable. All of this is brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group and its CEO. It's a family-run business, and he's the patriot of the family. He puts all the money behind it and all the research, grinds it out every day, just studying and researching, and then delivering economics with attitude. I call it your daily dose of the double and double. Joe Jaquin, how are you on this Monday morning? Happy Monday. The countdown is on just a... In case you needed a reminder, we will be closed Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, and Friday as well. So uh, if you want to get your orders placed before the holiday, uh, do so, 800-951-0592. I'm going to tell you right now, I think all three days I'm going to just really heat things up, give you great deals, great values. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to run U.S. $10 $10 Liberty Gold pieces. These are the old ones, 1866 to 1907. Legal, lawful, constitutional tender. Uh, they are considered to be collectible. The difference here is unlike our competitors, we don't charge collectible prices. Why is that even important? And the answer really is a very, very simple one. When, you, when you're buying hard assets, there's two things I think everybody uh, should try to do. What, number one is make sure what you're buying allows you to stay private. In other words, what, when you buy and or sell, you got to remember the other side. You know, when, you're, when you're buying, you only think about the buy. You also got to think about the buy and the sell. When you buy and you sell, can you do so without having to have me report you? In other words, hey, Schmuckatelli was in here and he sold back 50000 and here's a 1099 and I need to get all this information from you. Uh, we think the best way to do it is when, you buy, when you're able to buy and sell product and you don't have to provide us with that type of information. And it's actually very simple to do. Uh, matter of fact, it, it's as simple as, hey, we're, we are Americans. We live in the United States. Uh, the tax laws are favorable when you buy U.S. minted materials. And so that's what it is that we always recommend that people buy, number one. Then the difference comes in between what they, what is a collectible, what is bullion, what is the difference. And really, another very, very simple answer. 
when you're talking about U.S. minted material, that first of all means the mint had to mint them. Okay, so the government is the maker. The mark on the coins is the seal from the government, which validates its authenticity. The difference between a collectible and bullion is very, very simple. From 1933 all the way until 1986, the United States minted no gold whatsoever. None. Matter of fact, from 33 to 1971, it was illegal for an American to own gold. Most people don't know that, but it was. And then in 1971, of course, Richard Nixon closed the gold window and you could buy gold again and, and that's when you bought Maple Leafs and Krugerrands you know we talk about that movie Lethal Weapon you know with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover Diplomatic Immunity and it was Krugerrands that they had because you know at that point in time when the movie got made we didn't mint gold but they wrote the Gold Eagle Act and actually that act was 1985 which allowed them to start minting gold in 1986 and in that act, the government said all U.S. minted gold prior to 1986 is now considered to be a collectible. You cannot put old gold in your IRA. You can put new gold in it. can't put old gold in it. So why is that important? What's the historical meaning and context of that because why not just say it's all the same and the answer is actually quite simple when the United States confiscated gold from the citizenry in 1933 remember the central bank blamed the inability to create inflation and the government's inability to spend money Right, because then our money was backed by gold. So if the government wanted to print more money, they had to go dig up more gold. As the reason for the Great Depression. Well, at least one of them. Of course, for over 100 years, we had had gold as money, and we never had any of these problems. It wasn't until we created the, the Federal Reserve in 1913 that we had any issues. But there was only one type of gold you could keep in 1933. You guessed it. Collectible. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour. Double J in the love. The countdown to Turkey Day is on. Do you know? I did not know this. But apparently, um, Thanksgiving used to be the last Thursday of the month. And it was FDR that changed it to the fourth Thursday of the month. Because those months, you know those months, every once in a while, every few years, you know, you get a five-weeker. You get a fifth week of the month. Homer's looking at me like, what? 
I thought every quarter ended with the third month having five weeks in it. No, it ro- I think it rotates, but uh, but uh, this is how the story was told to me. Okay. That when those five-week months happen, that Thursday, that last Thursday, was a little too close to Christmas. So they wanted to, to make sure that Thanksgiving fell a little farther away from the holiday. So I want to say it was in the early 1940s that they changed it. And they did it for economic reasons because, well, you know, things are expensive. Even back then, they got it, right? <laughs> right? You think about how commercialized things have become. Even back in the 40s, the early 40s, they understood it as well. And, and uh, that's how we've got to the fourth Sunday. I want to say it was Lincoln, by the way, that established the holiday. Now, watch, somebody will email me and tell me I was totally wrong, and if I am, please email me, doublej at allamericangold.com, and I'll correct everything I just said today. Because sometimes when you listen to the show, you become dumber. You just do. But uh, not often. Not often. (laughs) Well, usually it's because something you say, but I don't know. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, I actually looked at, I went to the calendar, you know, on my phone here, and I was just like, okay, every third month has five weeks. Every third mo- month has five weeks in it, is what I'm looking at here. But Right, I every third month, but I think it changes year to year. It's still every third month, but the months move. See what I'm saying? You're not following. No, I'm following what you're saying. I just don't think, I, 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 I could be wrong. Who knows? I think you're, you know, once a quarter. That's right. I'm just saying sometimes it happens in November. That's all. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? We'll look it up. Uh, how about this? You know what's funny? So we, we, we started this show, and I told you for the, the next three days we're open, I'm going to really try to provide you with some of the best pricing I can. It's very difficult right now because Wendy will tell you nobody is selling. Nobody. In other words, everyone's kind of like, yeah, no, nah. we don't believe any of that, right? The 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 whole little rally and all of that, the the strong dollar, you know, the Fed is going to raise rates in December. I, I'm almost certain that they are. And I and I said, and I've said this for the last several months. We're that's actually going to be the best news. The worst news for gold would be if they didn't. The best news for gold will be when they do so, and and a lot of people are trying to make sure they've got something put away, take advantage of the pullback that we've already had, and then, of course, obviously have it put away uh, before it happens. And we were talking about the difference between a collectible and bullion. And it's really, really simple. Right? There's a loophole when they confiscated gold in 1933. And I don't believe in coincidence, and I don't believe in accidents, right? Not when it comes to this type of legislation. You know, people talk about the unintended consequences, right? And I'm not sure I believe that either. I think they know exactly what it is that they're doing. And they wanted to make sure that they got to keep their gold. 
or at least that their friends that got them elected got to keep theirs. So they made a loophole. A loophole that most Americans didn't know existed. The thing that the the one thing that I will tell you about this law, it didn't say hey only mint state sixty threes, fours and above qualify. They didn't say that. They didn't say, hey, only uh the Indians or only the St. Gardens, they didn't say that either. Matter of fact, it was very, very clear. All U.S. minted gold prior to 1933 is now a collectible, period. Can't put it into your IRA because, you know, logic really... If you ask, well, why not? Gold's gold. If I could put a gold bar in there, which is bullion, if I could put a U.S. minted gold eagle in there, which is bullion, why can't I put a $20 gold piece in there? And the answer for me, anyway, is, well, because they can't confiscate it. Or or at least that's how my thinking goes. Could it be different? Sure. With a stroke of a pen, could the government do whatever it wants? Absolutely. We've seen it. We know it. Right? Did any of us vote for the new rules that the SEC and the Federal Reserve and the Treasury put together? I'm sorry, we didn't have a did, vote. Did you vote for that? I'm sorry, all you people with money market accounts. I'm sorry if you have mutual funds or 401ks and IRAs, but don't worry. The next time there's a crisis, we're going to make sure none of you can sell. Did we vote for that? No. Was that rule put in place to protect you? Absolutely not. Who is it put in place to protect? The financial institutions that sold you that money market, that mutual fund, that 401k, that IRA, that's who it's meant to protect. And they have this loophole, at least what I believe, for a reason. Because they already know. You know, it's kind of like the special drawing rights of the IMF. And we've talked, you know, and this this has come up throughout the years. You know, when I started doing the show with Eric, maybe once or twice a year, the special drawing rights would become a topic, but very rarely. And as we've gotten through this crisis, we talk about it more often, but still not a ton. But maybe from once or twice a year to seven or eight times a year. When you think about, hey, we're doing 200-plus shows a year, that's still not a lot. That's still just a small percentage. But the reason why I say they already know is they've had these special drawing rights for decades, the IMF has. No one's ever used them. But they were already there because here's the thing that they knew, and they know. 
which is all fiat money, eventually goes to what? It eventually goes... To zero? To zero. It eventually is worth nothing. Goose egg? And they, they just were preparing for the next time. They didn't know when the next time was going to be. They thought the next time could have been in the 70s when hyperinflation was going crazy. Right? How did they get out of that, by the way? Right? Oh, Paul Volcker and all the baloney. They printed a bunch of money. That was their one big card, right? That was the go-to card. Let's print money. Lots of it. Right? We went from $400 billion in debt in 1971. By 1981, it was over a trillion. By the 90s, it was, what, two, three, four, five trillion. Now we're $125 billion away from 20 trillion. Oh, how did we fix it? Oh, we're, we're the greatest economists of all time. Are you kidding yourself? But they didn't know. And they've been waiting. Okay, we got it here. This is, you know, it's kind of like uh, when you're playing cards, you're playing, I don't care if it's hearts or spades or pitch, euchre, right? They got a Trump card. Oh, speaking of which, Trump is president now. Isn't that funny? Trump card, Trump president, I don't know. Coincidence? I think not. And, of course, they're getting ready. And and then they allow the Chinese into the special drawing rights. In other words, saying it's a reserve currency. But they have these rules for what, are, what qualified you to be a reserve currency. You had certain things, certain criteria that you had to have. Of course, a lot of it pertained to freedom in your markets, right? which the Chinese don't have, but somehow they got voted in anyway. And as I've been trying to explain what's going to happen next, we used to talk about the Amero. Remember that conversation? I remember when I first heard about the Amero. It was probably in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then, of course, as I started to work here, I learned a lot about it, right? That was going to be kind of like our version of the euro, because whether whether you know this or not, they created the euro, yes, this great big trading block, but it was really because they were all broke, and this was going to be the Canadians and the Americans and the evil Mexicans. And they were going to form a North American currency. Right? And we didn't know the way that we thought, hey, maybe 10,000 Federal Reserve notes was going to be 1,000 Ameros. And everything was going to be priced in Ameros. And everything, you know, if you had a $100,000 mortgage, it would go down to 10,000 Ameros. 
And of course, if something costs $10, it was supposed to cost one Amero. Of course, by the time you got there, it probably cost two Ameros, but they, you know, because they wanted to get their inflation, but neither here nor That was how we thought it would go. And the reason why we thought that was because when we watched other countries go through a similar process, that's exactly what happened. But now I believe that they're, they've gotten better. Now they're going to use the special drawing rights of the IMF as a way to convert. We see all this blockchain stuff. Of course, blockchain is the, I guess, the, the code, if you will, of the new digital currency. Matter of fact, if you go out, I want to say, if you go out to allamericgold.com today, there's a big article about how Walmart's now getting blockchain. Right? They're going to be able to tell you exactly where that product came from, allegedly. But they're going to make it be a, everything's going to be converted into these special drawing rights. We'll talk about more. Finish up on this next. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum, upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now from the Eagle Forum studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Word-of-mouth marketing was the traditional way that good businesses attracted new customers and became more successful before mass marketing was popular. Years ago, good service was rewarded by customer recommendations to others in favor of the business. That was the free market at its finest, based on actual reviews by genuine customers. Uber, the new way that millions are hitching rides around town, relies on this model. Good service by an Uber driver is rewarded by the traveler giving him five stars after completion of the ride, while drivers who repeatedly receive poor ratings are dropped from the system. Yelp is an internet company that invites the public to rate businesses after purchasing their services or products. Founded more than a decade ago, Yelp helps more than 50 million people each month find terrific businesses based on ratings posted by the public. More than 100 million reviews have been submitted to Yelp to inform others about the quality of a particular company. Yelp cannot screen all of those reviews for their validity, and some might try to harm a business by submitting unfairly negative reviews of it. But when a business has many reviews, a few unfair ones would have little effect on its overall rating. A locksmith in Washington State, however, sued Yelp for damages after it suffered from two negative reviews. On appeal, the Ninth Circuit recently dismissed this lawsuit in the case of Kimsey v. Yelp. The Ninth Circuit held that, quote, We fail to see how Yelp's rating system, which is based on rating inputs from third parties and which reduces this information into a single aggregate metric, is anything other than user-generated data protected by federal law. By allowing the public to post on a website, Yelp cannot be held liable for unfair reviews due to the 1996 Communications Decency Act. 
the court ruled in favor of Yelp that this federal law safeguards a website that, quote, merely provides a neutral means by which third parties can post information of their own independent choosing online, end quote. This is a victory for both free speech and the free market. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At EagleForum.org, join the blog conversation and share a firsthand story of government interfering with your business or any ideas on how to stand against socialism. That's EagleForum.org. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. So how's it going to go? What's their Trump card? And one of the things that we're witnessing, and we're seeing it everywhere, right, is the central bank trying to convince us that they can fix the economy. Right? Of course, they only fix it. They never break it. Which is Really, when you think about it, maybe what we really should be focusing on is getting rid of them altogether and going back. Because I always tell people the story, hey, can you tell me about the great uh, stock rally or economic crisis of the 1800s? Can you name uh, the the super period of hyperinflation or or deflation or stagflation of the 1800s. And everyone looks at you like, what? 1800s? What are you talking about? Right? We went to public school. We learned about the Great Depression. Right? Most of us, well, we grew up during the hyperinflation of the 70s. Right? What what you don't realize because we got all that stuff because of these bankers. Right? These same bankers that are trying to tell you that they're here to help are the ones that keep what? Right? Messing with the system and breaking it. We didn't run deficit. You know, this country used to be, you know, part of our greatness was how much we adhered to being fiscally responsible. Do you know that we didn't really even have a budget deficit to speak of outside of a couple of wars at all in this country? You know that even after World War II, which wasn't that long ago, we ran just as many budget surpluses as we did deficits for the next 10 years. I don't think a lot of people realize that. People don't realize it. And it wasn't really, really, until after the central bank got us off the gold standard completely did all of this nonsense start happening. And and the end game, that's such a good one now. We're going to go to an electronic currency. I think most of us 
already get it. We 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 accept it. Right? We had a millennial in here in his early twenties. I have a checkbook. I don't have a checkbook. Never had a checkbook. Never had a checkbook, right? I don't even know if they have that in school anymore. Remember at least like for uh it wasn't very long, maybe for like four weeks and a part of uh uh one of your, your classes, economics or whatever. Home you, economics. Right? You did a little deal where you, you got a handed a checkbook, a, a fake checkbook and you had to do your own household expenses and all that stuff. Remember that? You had to learn to live on a budget. Right, yeah, you had a budget and all that stuff. I wonder if they do that anymore. Uh, at least no. the checkbook part, I don't probably believe, not. I don't right? believe they do. I, I, I know there's different programs. Well, you just pay that with your phone and that with your phone. And don't worry, your parents will pay for your phone. They'll allow you to pay for your other stuff. But this is where we're heading. But why are we heading here? Right, And it's not for any of the nonsense that they claim it to be. What they really want is the ultimate control and ultimate power. And you know, the funny thing is, is I think a lot of us want to believe, I know I do, that as they've been collecting this data, and now with this blockchain technology, it's going to be even better. You, you're, you can track from, from birth to the grave everything every person ever bought in their whole lifetime. Now, we'd like to believe that that could never be used for bad. But you know eventually it will be, right? Countries get divided enough. Chaos and civil war breaks out. What are they going to do? Let's find all the evildoers, right? Let's round up all the evildoers. Kind of look at Turkey, right? They own, you know, they had a little coup that happened. They 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 prevented the coup, and what did they do? They arrested hundreds of thousands of people. Now they'll just go through your blockchain history and. Oh, you bought this and this and this. Yep, go get him. But even more important, you know, we're, we're got $20 trillion. It's amazing, right? $20 trillion. Nobody even can imagine how much money that really is. It, I think $100 bills stacked up to the moon and back a bunch of times. But nobody's even shaking their head. It's the norm. It's the norm. How do we pay for it? And they keep talking about this inflation thing. And now they have an inflation target of 2%. It already multiple, and I mean multiple, Fed governors, global central bankers have all talked about, you know what, we may need to change that target. You know what they don't talk about? They don't talk about changing it to 1% or zero. No, no, no. They talk about changing it to 4% or 5 or 6, 8, 10, whatever number we need. And see, right now, 
They can't get there. See, they've tried the negative rate. And then what they found was, you know what, we try to go too far negative, people start taking their money out of the system. Right? We start charging these people for their deposits. <laughs> I'd like to put my check into the bank. Oh, that'll be $25, please. That they'll start taking their money out. So they're like, okay, let's pretend everything's better again. We got to come up with a better what uh, a, a better mousetrap. The only way they know that they can prevent it is to digitalize it. Force everybody to put their money into the system. And then guess what? They don't need anything after that. They'll just create the inflation. How many SDRs does it take? Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break.
right? They're going to make them go in what converted into SDRs. Every time you buy an automobile or a home, they're going to convert those into SDR bonds. And as soon as they change the exchange rate, it's going to make everything what? Makes it more expensive, which gives them the inflation that they need. And then you start talking about what I'm saying, which is, this is the good deficit year. We're still in good deficit years. It's $20 trillion. That's the good number. Wait 10 years when it's 40. Think about how much inflation we're going to need to be able to pretend that we can pay that back. Right, and then I got this one I want to share with everybody because I'm telling you, this thing is coming and you have no idea. You have no idea what is really happening. Picture the next major American city to go bankrupt. Right, and in my mind, I just read that and in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm thinking Chicago, right, uh, Atlantic City, and, I, and I'm just starting to think of some some city in California, right? All of those come to some maybe uh, some place in Michigan. Uh, maybe it's Flint, right, with the water and all that stuff, or something like that, right? Right. These are things to think about. Sure. What springs to mind? Probably not the swagger and sprawl of Dallas, Texas. But that's what Dallas Mayor Michael Rawlings testified this month to a state oversight board that his city appeared to be walking into the fan blades of a municipal bankruptcy. It is horribly ironic, he said. Dallas has the fastest economic growth of the nation's 13 largest cities. Still not enough. Its streets hum with supersized cars, its skylines bristle with cranes. The mayor, a former chief executive of, of Pizza Hut, hundreds of multinational corporations chose Dallas for their headquarters. Most recently, a company Homer knows, Jacobs Engineering, which moved to the low-tax te- low Texas from pricey Pasadena, California. But under its glittering, glittering surface, Dallas has a problem that will bring it to its knees. And it could be an early test of America's post-election commitment to safe streets and tax relief. The city's pension fund for its police officers and firefighters is near collapse, and they're already seeking a bailout. Listen, and this is everywhere. You think, you know, we pretend that it was better here because we passed some law in 2011 that allows us, you know, that bought us some time, right until the courts, what, last month said, yeah, nah. Now nah, you got to pay it all back. Give all the people their money back. Over six recent weeks, Panicked Dallas retirees have pulled $220 million out of the fund. (laughs) Now you see why these laws are coming into place next year. 
guess what they're going to try to do? Oh, wait, you want you just want to cash out? Oh, no, not right now. You know what? Why don't you get back to us a little later? No? Doesn't work? Oh, well, we'll let you cash out, but we're going to induce a 50% penalty. You want to do that? No? Oh, well, then I guess we'll just hold on to it for you. It's coming like a freight train. U.S. $10 Liberty, $675, 800 Final segment coming up. Welcome back, Patriot Radio News Hour. 1-800-951-0592. You know, we're talking about being ready, getting prepared, taking care of your financial well-being. Uh, and, and for the next three days, I'm going to do it as best as I can. Because here's the reality. Like today, I'm running a great special. U.S. $10 Liberty, 675 That means two of them are 1350 I mean, think about that and, and what a spectacular price that is. And and the realities are this is all on me, right? This is one because uh, Wendy and I, we called everywhere today. No one's got anything, right? Because why? Because things like this are happening in Dallas. What led to the massive pullout? What set off the run? A recommendation in July that retirees no longer be, be able to take out big blocks of money. Listen, it's coming. Eventually, and this is what I keep trying to educate everybody about, the second you put your money in the bank, it's not yours anymore. Right? We all become unsecured creditors to the bank. That's just how it works. Now they're going to do and are doing the same thing with your retirement. Oh, nah. We'll tell you when you can have some. We'll let you know. We'll get back to you. Even before that, there were reports about the fund's investment placed in highly risky speculative ventures that now are worth less than they previously stated. What happened? What is happening in Dallas is an extreme example of what's happening in so many other places all over the country. Elected officials promising workers solid pensions on the basis of wishful thinking rather than realistic expectations. And listen, this is what it all really boils down to. You don't have to prepare. You don't. You can continue the wishful thinking, which you know is wishful, which you know it really isn't practical. $20 trillion, $40 trillion. It's unpayable. What are they going to do? What they always do. They're going to devalue to pretend that it's okay. You can prepare or not prepare. For those that that take the time to push some hard assets away, they're not wait. You know what? They're not using wishful thinking. Here, you know what they wish when you put away gold and silver. You wish the opposite. Boy, I hope that's not. I hope it doesn't happen. Probably gonna. Matter of fact, I know it's gonna, but I hope it doesn't. Right? You buy it, you put it away, and you hope you never have to use it. 
versus the other way. Oh, I'm going to keep buying this worthless pieces of paper because, you know, I don't want to, I guess, uh, I don't want to have to deal with the reality. I hope that the stock market stays afloat in the cities and the states and the national debt and all of that doesn't implode uh, in, in my lifetime. I hope I live long enough. Why not just prepare? And that way you get to hope the other day, oh, if it happens, I'm ready, but let's hope it doesn't. Sounds better, doesn't it? U.S. $10 Liberty, $675, 800 Two more days, two more shows. Till it's turkey time. Patriot Radio News Hour. Join the rest of your Monday. 